heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today, the 24th of August. A very good morning to everybody across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charter Stowers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. If you missed any of our shows, Wooshka is where you go. Uh, we've got so much to get through this morning. Ag Force Cattle President Will Wilson will join us. Margot Andre, we'll talk with David Littleproud, and so much more. It's a big show. It's rural Queensland today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. David Littleproud joins us next. Good morning and welcome back to Rural Queensland today. We're going to start the show with the leader of the National Party this morning. David Littleproud joins us. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good to be with you. How's Western Australia, brother? Uh, yeah, it's a bit warmer than uh, than home, mate. But uh, look, obviously a bit different over here. Good to get around. Been up at Carnarvon, uh, down to a field day today near uh, south of Perth, uh, and then heading to the Pilbara to have a look at some mining. So uh, having a good look around, mate, while we're here and listening, learning, and understanding uh, WA does it a bit different to everyone else. Yeah, it, it, they do do it differently, and, and it's obviously a big part of the the vote. And and obviously the national parties need to have a footprint there. You've backed the senior uh, uh, colleagues' claim that Scott Morrison's secret portfolio grab breached the coalition agreement. Can we just talk about this? Obviously, there is a feud at the moment going on, and it's not a good look under any circumstance what Scott Morrison has done. Can we just explain to everybody where you are at and where the National Party's at? Well, look, where we're at is we're very happy with Peter Dutton. Peter Dutton and I have a very good relationship. Uh, What we're saying is that relationship has to be built on trust, uh, and the, the decisions that are made uh, need to have a national party lens over it, a rural and regional lens over it. That's who we represent. Uh, we don't have to compromise on values or principles because we've got city members and have to have to worry about them. Uh, we need to make sure that there's somebody at the table making decisions that's from regional rural Australia. And if someone wants to circumvent that, then that's not that's a breach of faith in what we have agreed. Now, Scott, technically. Didn't ever have to pull that off. Uh, there was a disagreement over PEP 11. And I've got to say, the PEP 11 decision had nothing really to do with National Party seats. So um, we really just wanted an explanation from Scott to make sure uh, that he did respect the coalition agreement. He respected the fact that the National Party had to be there. Otherwise, we were concerned that there were other decisions because there was a lot that was coming out at the time that we were hearing that uh, he'd taken ownership of, that he was making decisions could have been making decisions on uh, that didn't have um, rural and regional lens over it. So, you know, this is about making sure you understand we're two different parties. We're not the same party. Uh, We have different values and principles to the Liberal Party, and I'm going to protect that. I'm going to preserve that. But I'm very confident with the relationship I have with Peter Dutton uh, that we do have a a transparent relationship that uh, we can trust one another. Um, I trust him implicitly. Uh, he's a bloody good bloke, and so we we worked it out and where we're going to move forward. But it was just to make sure that Scott Morrison didn't make any decisions without that region rural lens. I'm com- comfortable that he hasn't, uh, and that's fine. Uh, he's made a mistake. He's been big enough to admit that, and it's time now. And I think, sadly, um, this prime minister that we've got is more more focused on on attacking Scott Morrison now than actually getting on with the job. In fact, so so busy was he that he did not even acknowledge Vietnam Veterans Day, did not acknowledge the men that had lost their lives and those that have wow. served us 
because and did not even did not even acknowledge it on 18th of August. Simply was so busy attacking Scott Morrison. Now, what sort of prime minister with all the symbolism that he's throwing out there at the moment, and he's and he's forgot to actually acknowledge those men that lost their lives and those that served us. Um, that speaks volumes about Anthony Albanese's values and what he believes about veterans. I, I'm I'm gobsmacked that uh, that he's he's actually done this. Uh, and no one's really held him to account. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Can we talk about the shortage in supply chain? Our ag and food processing uh, supply chain is estimated to be over 170,000, short over 170,000 workers. I know processors close to where I live are, are looking, you know, desperately trying to get workers over here and looking for accommodation, but it is, a, it is in dire straits at the moment. It is. And look, this is what we've been saying for so long. This is why... I got the ag visa up. This is why we wanted to make sure that we couldn't uh, we couldn't get to a position whereby people are making investment decisions about not to plant and about their businesses. So, I mean, in Western Australia, I, I met a bloke yesterday who walked away from his property, uh, a plantation property that that produced uh, uh, small crops, uh, because he couldn't get any workers. He simply said it's too hard. Uh, we've got businesses that are, that are processing your food. Now, the AWU attacked our farmers and said, you can't have an ag visa because we're going to exploit their workers. And I've got to say, I've been pretty pretty disappointed with some of the, the peak bodies. Every time the AWU uh, attacked farmers and said uh, family, family farms were going to um, exploit workers from foreign countries, I mean, no one was standing left or right of me. The, all, the, all the peak bodies were, were carrying in the corner. And now they come up with a number of 172,000, which I don't doubt. But the Pacific Scheme can only give us, at best, about 50,000. And that's when we're sharing with, with other industries. So we've always said the ag visa needs to be there. But I haven't heard boo. I haven't heard boo from the NFF or any of these big peak bodies who are meant to represent farms, who farmers pay levy group, levies to, uh, attacking this government. They've been too scared. And now, because AWU have said no ag visa, we're going to be short. And people are making investment decisions and farmers are losing money. And this goes straight through to the processing sector. But what's going to happen is it's not just the poor old farmer. What's going to happen is every person in the city is going to feel this because if supply goes down, price goes up, and you're going to pay it at the checkout. And you should see Anthony Albanese's face on that docket every time you pay it because we simply do not have the supply. And this is where we've made a decision as nationals. We're going to go to the job summit. We're going to be pragmatic. We're going to be part of a solution. We, we think it's probably very hollow what they're offering, but regional Australia wasn't even invited to the job summit. And I can't and believe until that. Then no, no one from regional Australia is going to the job summit uh, until the nationals got invited. So we said, look, we're going to hold our nose. We're going to, as much as it stinks, we're going to go there and we're going to put pragmatic solutions, not just bring the ag visa back. We think we should have a regional skills visa because it's not just agriculture. And we should give these people that come here a pathway to permanent residency we think we should also allow pensioners and veterans to be able to work more without affecting their payments. And we, and we also think we need to invest in the education piece of continuing on in paying the hex of graduates. We started it with doctors and practitioner nurses, but extend it to pharmacists, registered nurses, teachers, uh, aged care workers, so that we can attract people to the bush. We'll pay their hex debt if they come and work in regional Australia. And I think we've got to continue to build on on the TAFE uh, facilities, state governments need to pull their finger out on that and make sure that we have those kids that are able to undertake TAFE. 
and the regional university centres that the federal government, our federal government started. So we're going to take pragmatic solutions to this, but the federal government has got to stop listening to unions. They've got to start listening to industry. Um, but unfortunately, every round table I see is they're proudly uh, advocating that they've got unions at the table. Uh, unions have a place, but not at the table in holding back Australian agriculture. Can you talk to me? You obviously were out west in Longreach, but you really would like the councils to be constitutionally recognised to be able to apply, uh, to able to apply directly for funds to build major projects and provide more services. And you've been on the regional tour. You're in Longreach. You've been doing a lot. You've seen this, and this is something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, mate. We need to have a look at federation. We're working on a government system predicated off lines put on a map 120 years ago. And just, just cast your mind back to how we ran through COVID-19 and how we had a, our Premier say that Queensland hospitals were just for Queenslanders. Australia's moved past this federated model that, that we've, our forefathers put us in. Uh, and we've gone from competitive federalism to the state Premiers blaming Canberra and just ask for more money. They're not even trying. They're lazy, it's inefficient, and there's duplication. So why wouldn't we go back to when federation was at its best when we had competitive federalism. When Job Jockey Peterson, and he, he was the shining light of this, he got rid of death duties. And all of a sudden, everyone went, well, I'm going to go to Queensland. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to invest it in Queensland. And, and he put in, he made it easier to do business in Queensland. So they started to compete rather than worry about Canberra being able to provide it. And what we think is that at the moment, because local government doesn't have constitutional recognition, Federal government can't go to them and ask them to roll out a program, can't go to them and ask them to build a road because we have to go through the state government. The state government clips the ticket. And when, they, when I say they clip the ticket, they take an administration fee. And that fee comes from you, the Australian taxpayer. So why wouldn't we give them constitutional recognition and say, local government, there are services that you're providing that we can go directly to you and you can compete against the state government. So we get efficiency of Australian taxpayers' money. Now, I'm not advocating just yet to, to abolish the second tier of government, abolish states. We need to run the ruler over our federation. But it's inefficient. And this is where it's costing the Australian taxpayer a lot of money. But there's also those implications that we saw during COVID-19. And if we haven't learnt from that, and we're not prepared now to run the ruler over our federation, then we are sleepwalking into an inefficient government system that is costing Australian taxpayers money and effectively holding you back. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and one that I think everybody agrees with. You appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for making the effort from Western Australia this morning. I know it's early. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, mate. Good on you, David. Little proud uh, Nationals leader. We'll take a break, come back with more. Margot Andre joining us. Will Wilson as well and Cyril Close not far away. This is Rural Queensland today. It's Wednesday morning, the 24th of August. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Margot Andre joining us this morning, CEO of Australian Pork. And and look, there is so much going on. The pork industry had a real reason to celebrate in Kingaroy last weekend, Bacon Fest. Boy, oh boy, it was unbelievable. Um, We spoke with, obviously, Deb Frecklington a little earlier uh, in the week. She was saying how good it was. Margot, you were there. How proud were you to be as the CEO of Australian Pork to be at Bacon Fest? Oh, just wonderful. I mean, to see so many people come out to support bacon, because it is, you know, yep. magical. It's wonderful. But to see so many people come out and support rural and regional Australia and to all go to King Roy was just fantastic. And, of course, some beautiful bacon. Unbelievable. As you said, if, if it's Australia, if, if, if it has a bone, it's Australian-owned. So uh, that was the big message once again. And, 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 you know, with a lot of ham and, 
and bacon. It, it is obviously something that's very, very important. And you know, fifteen thousand people celebrating Bacon Fest. It, 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 there is no better advertisement than a, than an event like that. And Kingaroy, just for the local economy, the outside money that came in, just spectacular. And a lot of people would obviously know the Kingaroy region for peanuts, but they wouldn't realise that twenty three percent of the national bacon production. National pork production is out of Kingaroy. So, between and Swickers, the avatar there, is actually the largest in the southern hemisphere. So, we've got so many things to be proud of in that region um, that all link to pork. So, just a wonderful celebration. And just to see those people coming out, and I felt like the town turned pink for two days. It was wonderful. Unbelievable. And, and, a, and a great thing. International Bacon Day is Father's Day this year. So, that is also something that can be flagged for everybody just to, you know, on, on Father's Day, there's absolutely no excuse. Now, can I ask you, um, and I say this with, with how concerned are you with what's going on around the world at the moment? I mean, we spoke to you, you know, African swine fever has been something that you've been very, very, very um, clear with. You, you've obviously had bicycles. Susan McDonald was instrumental. We've now got, you know, so many other challenges. FMD's the big one. Have you guys been working overtime or is it more awareness at the moment and just trying to get a plan in place if something did happen? Yeah, look, it's exactly that. We've been working for three years now. I've been in this role for three years and it's been just constantly making sure we're working with governments, keeping our borders very tight in terms of biosecurity and what's coming in. And it is with foot and mouth disease moving around the globe as well. It's just one more challenge that our Australian farmers now need to be thinking about. Um, and it really is a case of globally, there is so much going on if you're looking at grain prices and yeah, political um, factors that are happening. Australian farmers are just on edge and yep. we just have to keep pushing. And But I do say to people that when it comes to things like these diseases, is we have been working so hard for so many years and it really comes down to making sure our farmers have their biosecurity plans on farm on place, making sure our state governments are working together with their counterparts and then most importantly, make sure our national government's doing everything they can to keep these diseases out. And then last but not least, can Australians please make sure they're not bringing products oh, in through the mail? That's they're the biggest thing. They're not bringing thing. it back when they're travelling. Isn't that the biggest thing? You know, like And that, it still yeah. keeps happening. Like People think it's funny, I'll bring my McDonald's back or I'll bring my Subway. No, just yeah. don't. Don't, yeah. don't be that idiot. Just yeah. do the right thing. It's just not easy, is it? Is that the biggest risk? How is that market, from a world perspective, how is that market, the pork market around the world, Australian pork, is there still a commodity there that it, that is making good money for our growers? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm really proud. The Australian pork industry is focused on Australia. We only have a very small export market. So we produce food for Australians, and through this, all of these pandemics that we've been facing, we've maintained, we've been very privileged to maintain a good, reliable supply of, of pork. And we're seeing more and more now that pork people are understanding how versatile pork is. And I've always said it's great for the waistline because of all the nutrients and the iron and it's a fantastic part of the meal. But it's good on the pocket. We've managed to, um, our farmers are, are, you know, they're getting a good price at Farmgate. Of course, we've it's starting to cost us more and more with grain and things like that. But also, we do a great thing for the planet. So, we give back more than we take. So, people really should be celebrating the Australian pork industry. And really, we've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner covered. So, we're just, we've got Australians supported when it comes to food. 
Yeah, you're dead right. It, it is a spectacular uh, brand. It is a phenomenal thing, and we just want to try and protect it. We did it. We did it very much with African Swamp. Is that still a threat, or is that now subsided just a little compared to the FMD and obviously lumpy skin with cattle? No, it's still moving around the globe. So, again, still incredibly proud um, to have kept it out of the country. But it is still definitely something that we keep a watch on. And then, obviously, now with foot and mouth disease as well. So we understand what the cattle industry is going through. We understand how worried and, and scared people are. But we actually come back to don't work on when, work on um, – so don't work on if it comes in. Um, you know, work on the fact that we can keep it out. Do everything you can at that farm level. Do everything you can at the state level and the national level. Um, and good biosecurity just has to become part of everyday life. But it is still quite a scary place. And with Japanese encephalitis virus going through the industry um, earlier this year, with spring coming back, we're now on high alert saying to our producers, make sure you're doing your mosquito control. So it has felt like it's one thing after another for yeah, our producers. It, it, it certainly but has. I see they're wonderful. Yeah, and they're doing a great job. Uh, and so are you. Uh, it, it is a really <laughs> tough time. Margot Andre, uh, CEO of Australian Pork, we really appreciate your time. Uh, record numbers of Bacon Fest in Kingaroy. International Bacon Day is on Father's Day this year, so two Sundays away, um, which I think everybody – should wake up and have some bacon on that day. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Thanks, Tobo. Have a great day. Good on you. Rural Queensland today. We're going to take a break, come back with more Cyril Close not far away. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. It is Wednesday morning, the 24th of August. Will Wilson is the current Ag Force Cattle President, grazier from central Queensland, and he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Will, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Morning, Joe. How are you going? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Mate, there's a big deal when the PM and the Ag Minister roll into Rockhampton. I mentioned this yesterday. You were present and part of this. Quite impressive, in fact. Oh, fantastic. I mean, we had uh, Ryan Olive at Ryan's place and, and, and his family's place, and, and Greg Pankhurst managed to come down. So that's a once in a lifetime one for me. You don't get that opportunity too often. Uh, you get a a PM and an Ag Minister for, for an hour, a good hour plus of time uh, to have a discussion around the current issues and, and the impeding issues. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it doesn't happen very regularly. And, and to be heard and appreciated was, was good too. Did they understand, Will, the big issue, FMD, biosecurity, were they across it? Do they understand it? Uh, I, I probably one thing that I thought is that they're committed. They're committed to it. They can, it's a challenge. It's a very clear. It's very clear to me that Treasury has made it obvious of the value of our industry, and it's not something to be negotiated or sacrificed. And that, I think, was the big thing for me that came out. I, I, they um, well, the PM obviously um, his his um, area is not rural. So um, he was an experience for him, which was good a privilege to actually be able to show him how we live and how we roll. Um, but I think um, for him to actually understand the need and the desire of us as industry was was a great opportunity, a great opportunity, there's no doubt about it. And they they taken it in and the next steps, they committed to some next steps that we can make around their traceability reform, which is excellent. Um, so it couldn't couldn't be happier with 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 the conversation and then the outcome will be judged in the future, I guess. 
What about uh, and I, and I say this genuinely. What what about Murray Water? I, I've been nothing but impressed with the Ag Minister. There's no secret he, he, he's on the Gold Coast. He's a lawyer from the Gold Coast. But gee whiz, he's adapted quick. He's opened up. He's listened. I know there's been some knocks on him, but I, I, I've been nothing short of absolutely impressed with the dealings that I've had with him away from mainstream media. Oh yeah, that's right, man. I I agree. I don't want to judge the person. I mean, the people of Australia vote vote for the people that get into power, and, and Murray's there. He's, he's a very genuine person. He seems like a nice person to work with. Um, we're advocates. We get along with the people that are leading the country, and, and they're leading the country, and, and I'm more than happy to put my foot behind him at the moment because he treats us with respect and gives, gives us the impression um, uh, the, the opportunity to have conversations that are being listened to. So it's, it's a great opportunity at the moment. And, and I agree, he seems like a nice fellow. Well, I've got to talk about this. It's just been announced. Um, you, you are going to challenge and, and, and run for president of Ag Force. Um, Georgie Somerset's done the last two terms. Um, three terms is the maximum uh, that anybody is allowed to do it. Um, and you have put your hat in the ring to obviously – uh, try and lead and be the president of Ag Force. Exciting times, um, but uh, obviously the people listening to us today, they have to obviously vote, and we're very diplomatic in the way we go about this. But this is something that obviously you believe strongly in, and something that you really want to be a part of. Yeah, mate. I've um, I've, I've done two terms on as a director on, on the on the cattle board. Um, it's been a great opportunity for me to do that. Um, now. I, I can, um, as the Constitution of the Cattle Board, I can only do one more term, and my board has asked me to to, to, to not to not move on and, and stay involved in the organisation, and, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, the time that Georgie's been there, she's done a tremendous job leading the organisation, um, and I think that um, the organisation's really on the crust of doing some great things. Um, and that's why I'm excited to be in it. And and Dan, I, I don't want to, I don't want to not be involved in where Ag Force is going in the future. I really want to be part of it and make a big difference. You can make a difference. And, and the thing is, with you've had some huge challenges being Ag Cattle Pre, Ag Force Cattle President, and so this bodes well. And and obviously that you believe you're the right person for this job. Uh, I know a lot of people listening to us this morning would feel the same way. What is it that you will bring? It is obviously a fresh set of ears, but the big thing is transparency in your eyes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I just, um, I think that um, the, the opportunity that it portrays for once I get into the once I get into the, the into that role, and the transparency that we can bring um, about how we represent producers. I mean, the big the big part of us as producers going into conversations, and we've been talking about Murray this morning, and obviously in the state how we deal with departments and ministers and our uh, where our levies spent right through the supply chain of industry um, is about really aligning our goals and being very open about the way we manage, we operate. It goes from climate through to product at the moment. And being open and transparent and having goals, I think it's a really important thing. Um, um, we, we can do a lot of work uh, behind the scenes, but we've got to be really clear with our members about what our goals are and how we want to execute those goals. Have you got a vision for Ag Force? Uh, yeah, it's a basic one: um, membership. Yeah, and I think it is a united industry, and I think probably one of the things that um, it's we're never all going to see eye to eye as industry. 
but gee, look at Cotton Australia and how powerful they are as an yep. organisation. The envy, the envy that we've got about um, to, to get towards that where we can have a, a momentum and support about the things that we're doing as beef producers is that that's that's a goal. That's a hundred percent a goal, and get people on board. I mean, I think it's a bit sad that that that. that that people think that it's not important to do this work. This work is the most important thing we can do as industry. Um, and and I, you know, if I value my time, a lot of the time, I've got it's more valuable doing this work than sometimes it is at home fixing a gate. Uh, it's 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 a very important thing for industry. I think somebody has to lead, and obviously, uh, two really good candidates. Will Wilson is the Ag Force cattle president. He is running for president. Um, against Georgie Somerset uh, in the elections. It's a voting system. We will talk to Mike Gear, and obviously we are going to have to talk to Georgie as well, um, and she's been a regular on the show. Will, I, I think a lot of people in Queensland um, who know you, who know how passionate you are, who know how you're a doer, who understand what you and the challenges that you've had in the cattle, in the as cattle president, know that you can get the job done and know that this is your passion and I know that your old man uh, who passed, who, who who was a big believer in in, in making this work. He, he's always he's always said to you that this was the thing that you needed to do. So it's a real honour to your father and everybody that you are following in his footsteps and obviously trying to make a difference. No, I appreciate that, Ben. I certainly um, I look forward to it. I think Ag Force is in a, in a good position at the moment uh, and, and and can be a, in a good position in the future. And like you said. Um, the work that um, the, the Georgie and, and Mike, particularly, well, Mike and Georgie have been doing is tremendous, and we need to we need to get the momentum and get the support. Let's make it happen because it's a pretty exciting time ahead of us. Yeah, very exciting. Will Wilson um, is nominated for president of Ag Force. That voting system is underway. People can vote, obviously, um, and then send their back as members. And, and it, it is a very exciting time. Appreciate your time. We'll stay in contact. Uh, rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. 5,800 head at Roma store sale yesterday. Uh, joining us is Cyril Close, uh, owner of Topics, Roma Topics Australia. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, Dobbo. How are you today? How was the market? A big, uh, bigger yarding than last week, almost double the numbers. Um, and obviously, there is a little bit of speculation around um, talking to people at JBS yesterday. That there's no joy in this prime job at, at all. But uh, the store job, it has held on and is rolling along quite well. Yeah, definitely rolling along quite well, mate. Uh, very, uh, a very number one, a very solid yarding of cattle. Like, as you say, it's nearly doubled last week, but the quality was uh, yeah, second to none. It was a um, probably a, a little bit of a last blast of weaners and um, not a lot of heavy cattle there. So um, we did see a very, very uh, exceptionally good lineup of cattle, uh, and accordingly sold the steers sold to a lot nearer market. Uh, not so much heifers, but steers were very dear. Is that right? So where was that market at, mate? So feeder steers got out to $4.60 for the handful that were there. There was not too many of those, uh, but they were solid enough and firm or would fall on last week. Um, Wieners, though, uh, got uh, well over $7, like just numbers of them got over $7 and uh, into the well and truly into the $6 bracket for you know, calves two fifty to three hundred kilos. What? Who? Where was it all going? That's a huge turnaround in the last in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, isn't it ever? Like I say, you got to put it. You know, apples are apples, right? Sure. And, uh, Big yardings, better quality. 
Yeah. yeah, good runs of cattle and cattle without, like the milk's not in these calves now, so they've, a lot of these calves that were there yesterday were weaned calves yep. um, and have done two or three months in the paddock. Um, so, we, you know, we're seeing uh, steers to the end of them up over $2,000 consistently again there yesterday. So um, the competition came from over the border and in just local uh, area, you know, Tarumondo and Roma, down to Mandara, um you know, back into Dolby and, and that, the like. So um, just, yeah, where there's going to be a big spring, uh, if I was filling a few paddocks up with some wilder quality cattle are there, they're getting a hold of them. So we need to try and obviously and look at it. Those people that are buying it, they're obviously coming back into the market after selling. So if you're selling on the same market and buying on the same market, you're in a good position at the moment. Yes. Yeah, well, like it's, um, yeah. There's still the margin there, what, what I'm saying. Like it's not like... Um, those blokes that are, you know, that are obviously selling cattle and coming back in and buying, they're still the traders. They're still making the, you know, the returns still there for them. It, it, it is a lot more outlay, sure, but the margin's still the same. Yeah, well, I presume so, mate. That's right. That's right. It's, um, you know, they can't stop the wheels from turning. We're saying all the time, you, you've just got to keep going around. And when the cattle are there, they have to get a hold of them because, as you say, they're going out the door, so they've got to get something back into the into the supermarket, mate. So, yeah. Heifers were a fraction fraction lighter. They still haven't recovered. Oh they, no, they've rallied, mate. Don't get me wrong; they've they've rallied, but just didn't see the difference in them as we did in the steers. Uh, the, the heifers were certainly, um, you know, well and truly over five dollars, a mid five dollar bracket. And there were some little light ones, mate, up closer to six. So, nothing wrong with the heifer market, but it just didn't see the rally that we did see in that steer market. That was all. Yeah, mate. Uh, and you talk about feeder cattle, prime cattle. Was there anything of there to quote on? Yeah, and what you're having a prime cows, mate. I mean, bullets are a non-event these days, but so uh, you don't have to really talk about them. But, uh, yeah, very nice. There's a bit over a 1,000 cows there, and uh, they went from boner cows through to some very good prime cows uh, with a fair bit of weight in them, you know, six to 700 kilo cows, and they're returning 22 to $2,500 again, so wow. that puts them at 360 to $380 yep. consistently, and, or, you know, late 380s they got out to for the best of, of a few western cows that, that travelled. Um, so, you know, like it was, uh, it was probably just a shade softer, but not, um, you know, not too much. Unbelievable. It's obviously rolling along and, and, and it's a great thing, <laughs> this Roma store market, just when you think that, you know, things are going to happen, it just turns itself on its head and, and rolls again. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. Thanks for the update. Um, obviously a lot going on in your neck of the woods and, you know, a good yarding yesterday, 5,800, and, and the market responded accordingly. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Yeah, mate, no dramas at all. Yeah, in the bull tail season now, end of August, September, mate. So uh, lots happening in the, lots, lots happening around Roma, isn't it? You've got a, a fair few sales taking place this, this next couple of months? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're, um, there's nearly one a day if, and you don't have to go over a big radius to, to get to one of, of any breed type. So, uh, you know, she's full on, mate, and there's um, – you know, nearly towards the end of the run of the Angus sales in the next few weeks, and then we're into the the Sanders through the district. So, uh, yeah, onwards and upwards from there. It's going to be quite a, an interesting time. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. No worries, Ben. Thank Cheers. you. That's it from us here this morning in rural Queensland today. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Ray Hadley joins you next. He had a great rating result yesterday and uh, obviously – uh, is one of the most listened to shows across the country. He joins you next. Have a great day. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. See you tomorrow.